Well, we've turned a corner in the calendar. And although the decorations have been up for what seems like months, we are now at that part of the calendar in our society where we begin preparing and begin the celebrations for the holiday season. Store decorations will change, although some of them were up in August, which still makes no sense to me. Our schedules will become tighter. People we haven't seen all year will be now getting together with. And people will begin to also not just rearrange their schedule, but mindsets begin to rearrange. But to be honest, the primary or predominant uh, cause of all of this is Christmas. Yet in many places around the world, the Christmas holiday is preceded by something that for me strikes at the heart of what you and I need to be as Christians. It's preceded by Thanksgiving. So for the next few weeks, I hope you won't get bored. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to talk about being thankful. Next week, I'm going to talk about being thankful. The week after that, I'm going to talk about being thankful. So if that means for you, you've got it all, well, then I guess I'll see you at Christmas time. We need to always be thankful. Now, people can be thankful or grateful for many things in our lives. We can be thankful for something that's happening that's good. We can be thankful for something that's going to happen that's good. We can be thankful for something that was avoided that was bad. We can be thankful because we've been sustained through a difficult and challenging time or season. We can be thankful because we're being sustained through that season. It's not over, but we understand that through it all, God is with the one providing strength. And we can be thankful when that season is over. Or, and I hope this encompasses most of us, we can be thankful simply because we've been given another day. I say it often. When we gather for prayer or when I'm praying with a group of people, the first thing I'll do is I'll, I'll thank God for giving us another day. Oftentimes when the men get together on Thursday nights and we're done at the end of the night, we'll close in prayer and they'll ask me to close. And although it's now 9 o'clock at night on a Thursday, I will say, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning that I could see another day. I'm not really trying to be dismissive or insensitive with this next statement of someone that might be going through something. But everyone always has something for which they can turn to God and say thank you. Always. That's not just words. You know, we have many things in our society that seem to have gone by the wayside. uh, Being polite, for instance, or good manners. But I'm not talking about someone just saying thank you as part of having good manners or being polite. There have been many people who would turn to me after I've done something not exactly the way they wanted me to do it. And they'll say with a smirk, thank you. They're not being thankful or grateful at all. 
They're just being polite. It's a way of saying thank you. It stops them from saying what they really want to say to me, which we won't go into right now. But I'm talking about a thankfulness that goes beyond words, that truly comes from the heart, truly acknowledging how good God has been to you and me. Even when we're experiencing difficult times and challenging seasons and things that are just causing difficulty and pain all around us, you and I still have a reason to turn to God and say thank you. So no surprise, leading up to Thanksgiving for the next few weeks, I want to be speaking about being thankful. And today, I want to turn my focus to three different passages in the Gospels and see different times where Jesus said, thank you. Figure that's a good place to start. First, Jesus is thankful for what he has. Matthew chapter 15, I'll begin reading in verse number 35. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples, and his disciples gave to the multitude, so that they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now, this is a familiar story, the miracle that he performed in feeding the 5,000. Now, before feeding the crowd, before turning to the inequity of how much food and how much people was there, before being the source of the miracle that he knew he was going to perform, Jesus turns to his father and says, thank you. And I'm drawing right from what the words say. He's saying thankful for what is in his hands, which is clearly not enough to address what's going on. Now, he knew what he was going to do, but he also knew what he did And the power that was within him came from his heavenly father. He knew that the grain that created that bread came from God. He knew that the wheat that came from the grain and that was touched by sunshine, that sunshine was provided by almighty God. He knew that the wheat was also rained upon to make it grow. And that came from almighty God. It still amazes me how we can take so many of the very simple things of life for granted, realizing that God provides so much in your life and mine for which we need to be thankful. Church, he gave you life. I'll say it again. He gave you life. Today, you are able to breathe. If you're not, please raise your hand. You're able to see me. You're able to hear me. Now, we all may have our associated health issues. But if we're looking to address health issues, the healthiest place your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit can ever be is rather than focusing on what you don't have, focus on what God has provided and has put in your hands. All that the disciples could see is what they didn't have. And how many of us know people and how many of us have been people like that who only can see what we don't have? That's all they could see. All the disciples could see was what wasn't there. 
So before multiplying it, so before making it clear there was a reason because of the miracle that there was a reason to be thankful, Jesus gave thanks first just for what he had. We live in such a never-satisfied culture. We could give everything to someone and they'll still want more. We have so much and yet seldom know peace or contentment because of the provision God has made. Some think that being thankful to God is outdated. Some think that being thankful to their maker doesn't make sense today. A godly farmer was asked to dine with a well-known business gentleman who was well off. While there, he asked a blessing, the farmer, at a table as he was accustomed to doing at home. His host said jeeringly, that's old-fashioned. It's not customary nowadays for well-educated people to pray before they eat. The farmer responded that with him, it was customary, but that some of those on his farm never prayed over their food. Ah, then, said the businessman, they are sensible and enlightened. Who are they? My pigs. They never pray before they eat. I love that. (laughs) We thank God for the simple things. We thank God for what we have. But pastor, all I can see is what I don't. Then let's have God adjust our eyesight. Because we've been given so much. I can remember clearly when I went to Indonesia back in the year 2000. I was gone for a little over a month. And I first spent a week in the Philippines in a very poor area of the Philippines, the town of Cebu, and then spent three weeks in Jakarta, Indonesia. In both places, I had never known or seen such abject poverty, and yet had never experienced such gratitude. Now, the challenging part of it is they were so grateful for anything. They were so grateful for everything. I returned from that trip Thanksgiving Eve, right at the height of the holiday season in New York. So I remember in the church that I was a part of at the time, if anyone were to have come up the aisle for prayer about what they weren't able to provide their kids going into the holidays, I freely admit the sensitivity level in me was not very high because all I could see is all that we have, all that God has given, all that God has provided. Yeah, but I want to be able to do more. But let's thank God for what he has done in our lives now. I pray. And I will pray. And be thankful. For what God has given me. Now, I would love for God to be able to completely heal my back. That's what I'm praying for, and I'm praying for that. But as both my sons have connected the dots, connected the fact that the length of time I can stand preaching is connected to how my back feels. (laughs) So I can stand for about 
25 minutes or so. God heals my back, I'll be able to stand for a whole lot longer. So you pray for what and be thankful for what you have. And be careful for what you pray for. We need to be thankful. And we live in such an ungrateful society. It's always wanting more. And I fear it's coming to the church. We're always not happy with who's here. Would I love for, uh, to come in and the building to be filled? Sure. I'm thankful for every single one of you. You're my church family. You're my brothers and sisters. We come together in, in unity to give God praise. We need to be thankful. Jesus was thankful for what he had in his hands. He didn't wait until it multiplied before he expressed gratitude. Turn to John chapter 11. The second thing I want to look at is Jesus was thankful for heard and answered prayer. John chapter 11, I'll begin reading in verse number 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you will always hear me. Now when, I, now when he said these things, he cried a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he, came, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. There Jesus was, tear-stained face, as the surrounding scriptures tell us, before the tomb of his dear friend, Lazarus. First comment he made was, take the stone away. I can imagine the looks he got. Grief and pain turned to, what is he doing? What is he thinking? And instead of looking at the unbelieving people around him, Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and he thanked God. And what the gospel says is not that he thanked God for what was going to happen, not that he thanked God for the miracle that he wanted to happen. He thanked God for hearing him. Aren't you glad you serve a God who hears you? who listens to you, who hears every word you and I say. And he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
And I know that you always hear me. What a blessing that is to know that the God that we serve always hears us. Jesus thanks his father for hearing his prayers. I need to say that again. Jesus thanked his father for hearing his prayers. So before we can ever get to the place and begin to have a conversation properly about thanking God for answering our prayers, we need to be thankful that God hears us in the first place. God hears the prayers of his people. Being able to come into his presence, being able to come into his presence wherever that presence is because he's everywhere. That is a unique privilege and one we can do freely. So we're grateful that in our nation we can gather together and pray freely without any prohibitions or any obstacles that many of our brothers and sisters in other countries have to be concerned about. So for as long as we can gather together and pray freely, you know what? We're going to gather together and pray freely because we need to appreciate the privilege. And for as long as we have this freedom, we need to practice this privilege. Now, him hearing us is a privilege. Him answering us, it's a blessing. Aren't you glad that God's answered prayer in your life? Don't you realize that the reason you're here is because God answered somebody else's prayer? That's why you're in church today. That's why Jesus is your Savior and Lord, because somebody prayed that God would have his way in your life. And so for that blessing, we say, thank you. Thank you. Try to think right now of all the prayers that God has answered in your life. Has God been good to you? Church, has God been good to you? Has God taken care of you? Has God remained by your side when so many others walked away? Has God been a loving, caring father when so many around were harsh and insensitive? Has God provided for you, even in the midst of pandemic, even in the midst where it seemed there was no way possible, but Jesus stepped in and made a way where there seemed to be no way? Has God blessed you? If the answer to any of those questions is yes, and the reality is I think for all of us, the answer to all of those questions is yes, then we should be the most thankful and the most grateful people on this planet. Jesus thanked his father for hearing him, simply for listening, even before the answer came. You see, we don't always know when we, when we pray to God and ask him for something. We have no guarantees of what God's going to do. Well, I know what God's going to do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Okay, I refuse to argue with you. No, you don't. We don't know what God's going to do because only God is God. Hopefully, what we've learned in the process of our Christian faith and asking God for things is that telling God what to do won't work. I have found it completely 
unacceptable and completely inefficient to tell God how to be God. He's done a better job at doing it than I could ever even think about. So my coming to him saying, I want you to work in my life this way. I want you to work in my child's life that way. I want you to do this this way. God, have your way. Have your way in me. Have your way in my family. Have your way in our church. Have your way. What a privilege. Hopefully we've learned not to tell God how to be God. He answers our prayers his way. But that's the point. We thank him for the answer, no matter what. I've learned to say thank you to the Lord for answering my prayers when the answer was no. When the answer was that's not for you. When the answer was not what I expected. I've shared this the night that my mom died, which is now 33 years ago. I still remember it. We were in Stony Brook Hospital. She had been there for over two months from injuries from a car accident. And we had gone that night to visit her, and she had passed. So my family from the Bronx was on their way out. I have a large Spanish family. And it was going to be this massive scene of tremendously expressed grief. And as the oldest son in my family, I knew a lot of responsibility was going to fall on me. And for a moment in my complete sense of being a selfless Christian, I didn't care. I, I didn't. I, I just was being completely self-centered. And I said many things in the elevator down from her floor that night. But I looked to heaven. I said, Lord, I can't do this. Let somebody else do this. I can't do it. I just kept saying floor after floor. I can't do this. And the Lord answered me right there. Now, I don't know about you, but I was expecting a number of different answers. Like, that's okay. I'll take care of it. All I got as an answer when I kept saying, I can't do this, was, I disagree. Yes, you can do this. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Because I can do all things even things I don't want to do through Christ who gives me strength. So sometimes I've had to learn to thank God when the answer was no. When the answer changed me, not the situation. While on a short-term missions trip, a pastor was leading a worship service at a leper colony on the island of Tobago, a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit turned around, and it was a difficult sight, one the most difficult he'd ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were nearly gone, and she lifted a fingerless hand in the air and asked the pastor, would it be okay if we sang, Count Your Blessings? Overcome with emotion, the pastor left the stage and left the service for a moment. He was followed by a team member who said, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again, huh? And he said, yes, I will. I'll just never be able to sing it the same way. 
when we've had those moments with God where he's done something in a completely different way, when he has taught us something through grief or through pain or through hardship or through sorrow, I'm not saying we pray for those things, but we're changed. And the fact that we've grown, the fact that we've been changed is a reason to say thank you. Because the reality is we probably wouldn't have grown any other way. I use the analogy often. Flowers flourish in the sunlight. They grow in the rain. So unless there's rain in our lives, we're not going to grow. And all of us, I think, have had some rain. Now, I would prefer just a little rain shower. I'm not down with the hurricanes that have come into my life. But as we sang, he's a good, good father. And that's all I need to know. This last example is a tough one, but it ties into what we're going to be doing today as we celebrate communion. Turn to Luke chapter 22. The third thing, Jesus thanked his father as he headed to the cross. Luke chapter 22, I'll begin reading in verse number 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. I firmly believe, I firmly believe the scriptures bear this out, that Jesus thanked his father even though he knew what was coming. He knew the torture that was coming. He knew the abandonment that was about to happen. He knew that was coming. Otherwise, the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane doesn't make sense. Now, we don't often associate a thankful heart with heading into bad times, heading into something. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that those closest to him were about to run. And abandon him. He knew the ridicule that was coming. He knew the beating and the torture he was about to sustain. He knew the sensation of his father for the first time in his existence turning his face away. All because he was bearing your sin and mine. And with all of that on the horizon, our Savior still, before any of it started, turned to God and said, thank you. In fact, he did it twice for the bread and for the wine. Ultimately, Jesus is thankful 
for the solution that God had provided, which was his sacrifice. I don't get ungrateful people in general. I, I just don't get them. It's one thing if you're in a place where someone is hurting or someone is grieving or going through a long extended period or ordeal and they have a challenge focusing on God's goodness. But the plain reality remains. On your worst day, in your worst nightmare, you and I have something to be thankful for. Jesus died for your sins. He died so that you would not have to pay a penalty that you were never going to be able to pay anyway. He died to wipe the slate clean. And he rose to give you and I a power that makes the abundant life he promised something that's attainable. So in thinking about all this, you know, all of us, it would be a healthy thing to surround ourselves with grateful people. Thankful people, they tend to be the best to be around. That tends to rub off. When you're constantly around grumpy people, that tends to rub off. So let's be around thankful people. Let's be thankful people. Let's not be the grumpy people that rub off on other people. Let's remember. If I can't find anything else, Jesus died for me, and he was thankful to do it. He looked into history and saw your face and mine and said, I'm going to die for their sins. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. And in the meal right before, he said thanks. He gave thanks. So many, when we gather together on Thanksgiving Day, are going to come together with family and friends and we're going to express gratitude and it is right to do so. Parents express gratitude for your children. Children express gratitude for your parents. Now I know sometimes you can look at your parents or look at your children and you're not feeling really grateful, are you? I know it doesn't happen in this church. It's the church down the street. But there are people this Thanksgiving who are going to be completely alone. Or they've got family, but will not be able to be with them for one reason or another. Don't we have so much to be thankful for? And even if the situation and the circumstances and the logistics of life prevent you from being with all of the people you want to be with, and having this, the celebration that you envision in your mind that would match one of those Thomas Kincaid pictures. Each of us can sit at a table with a plate of food in front of us and thank Jesus for being there. Because Jesus will always be there. He will always be there. That's what dying on a cross does. It links us together. We are his always. When I think of the cross, when I think of what we're going to celebrate in moments in communion, we always have something to be thankful for. And I think we should say thank you as often as we can.
Hopefully on your way in today, you got one of these. 